Let's worship. Let's tell God how great he is. Let's go.
some philosophy that's been taken to the grave, but we hope in a literal bodily resurrection. We thank you that you 
the God of love are at the center of the universe as a trinity, showing us what love means, showing us what love is. And God, you call us to be imitators of that, to be partakers of the, of the divine nature. So God, empower us to do that because we can't on our own. We, we can't. And so God, we look to you. We look to your word. Thank you. I pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, Church by the Beach. Oh, man, we hope everyone's blessed. All of you who are here, welcome. Those watching us online, thank you so much for being here today, as well as those listening. Uh, we just pray that you just have a blessed experience with us. But before we go any further, can we just lift up our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning? Amen. Come on now. Right? Absolutely. Oh my goodness, we have so much to be thankful for and so much just to, to lift him up over. You know, uh, before we get into uh, part three of our message series, Awakening, just a few quick announcements we want to remind you guys, and that is last week we did kick off Operation Christmas Child. And uh, if you haven't been able to get a box yet, we still have them available and uh, we encourage you to be a part of that. You have until, I believe it's Sunday, November the 15th to get those back into us. And at that point, we will um, do our, our prayer, our blessing over those boxes, as well as this Saturday from five to seven is our Candy Palooza. That is a trunk or treat that we do for the uh, children of our surrounding communities. And uh, we need your help to do that. So if you're able to provide a trunk, that would be fantastic. Just go to our uh, Connect Central in the lobby and sign up there. Um, if you can't do that and you want to give candy, hey, we'll take the candy too, all right? Because we'll make sure it goes right into the hands of all these little kids. So we just thank you guys for being a part of all these wonderful ministries that we have to offer to our community. All right, so we are in part three of our Awakening series. And so I'll give you a little bit of a tip here, a head start. You can turn to Matthew 17. That's kind of where we're going to base a lot of this from uh, this morning. But we understand this, that the reality of our, all of our lives right now is that we have experienced great disruption, um, routines kind of be challenged, somewhat changed. Um, many of us are even adapting to, to, to newer routines. And um, what, what, is that hap what has that done for us? Well, one of the things for me, what it's done is gratitude. So grateful for everything within life. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? We all have so much to be grateful for. How about some resilience, right? Uh, we've all had to probably, you know, somewhat soften up a little bit, you know, become more resilient in everything. But my, my hope, and that is why we got into this sermon series, Awakening, is that you have developed a greater desire for the things of God within your life. I mean, that should be what we're looking and aiming to do every single day of our lives is looking to grow and, and have a stronger desire for the things of God within us. Now, we, um, we're going to be looking at, at several different things as we go through this message today. One is for generations and really since the beginning of the church age, um, this is what people have wanted. They have wanted a greater and a deepening desire to grow in a relationship with God or relationship with Jesus. We've heard terminology as 
such as we want a great revival or we're looking for another great awakening. And, and where do we want them? We want them within our church, right? Our local church body and, or, or even the church in general. We want something like this within our family. As Christ followers, we should desire for our families, what? To grow in the word of God and to grow within their godly experiences. And, and personally, within our own lives, we want to see an awakening. We want to see a deeper connection with God. Now, we have gone without receiving this, potentially, uh, within our lives because of the requirement for receiving it. This type of awakening really falls down to this. Watch. Getting in line with God's word. If we do not see ourselves growing in a deeper desire to connect with God on a stronger level, potentially it is because our desire to be within the word of God has fallen away or decreased. You know, um, basically laid out saying this way that God wants to do within our lives. And the only way that he is able to do this is you and I connecting at a deeper level with him. And really looking at the whole title of what we're talking about in this sermon series called Awakening. And, and to have an awakening on the level that we are desiring, we must, watch this, have fixed eyes of consecration. Okay? Fixed eyes of consecration. So what do we need to do here in the next few moments? Well, here's what I want. I want you to lean forward, right? I want you to get excited. I know it's early. It's the early service, okay? Lean forward, get excited, open your hearts, your minds, allow your spirit to be receptive to what God is going to bring to us in, a, in what I believe is a challenging manner. And I believe if we do that, then we will look back on today and go, there's no doubt God has orchestrated all of this and has spoken into our lives. Now, I want to give you a, a little bit of an example here. Um, we do first Wednesdays here at this church. First Wednesdays, this is what it looks like for us. It's the first Wednesday of each month, and we do a, a community dinner. And it's, it's a great time. It's, it's great. You know, we have free food. You know, when, we're able, when we were able to meet in, in our, our gymnasium, we did it that way. But we've since, you know, had to change that routine. And so now we do it as drive-through style. And and it's, it's fantastic. And listen, each time my wife, Andrea, gets asked to make a dessert, all right? Usually that dessert consists of brownies. Now, I love brownies. Some of you in here, you know I love brownies, okay? I do. I, I love brownies. I love whole kinds of brownies. I love brownies with like Hershey Kisses in the middle. And, you know, I love, you know, and, but one of my favorite brownies is called a Ghirardelli chocolate. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what? Yeah, Okay. I absolutely love them, all right? And, and so here's what my wife will do is for first Wednesdays, she will make those brownies. And I get very upset. And my little guy, Carter, who's now 10, not so little anymore, but he gets upset too because he loves, he's got the same addiction to brownies that I have. We want brownies, all right? So when we, you know, we smell those brownies and, and, and you know, I know what the answer is gonna be. Like, I know that it's going to be no, but he hasn't caught on to that concept yet. And I allow him to take the downfall just in case there's a yes. That's what any true real parent will do. Let the kid. Get, okay. Anyway. So anyway, so he comes running to mom and he's like, 
putting his, you know, they're already individually wrapped, you know, because we're keeping everything nice and sanitized and clean around here, you know. And uh, so he'll go and he'll put his hand and go ahead and get one of them baggies that's got a brand. And she's like, no, those are for first Wednesday. You know, in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. Well, if you know we like them and they're for first Wednesday, I forgot she's sitting right there. Can you not make a batch for us too? You know, no. And you know, and the reason I say this is because it's, I know the answer and what the answer is going to be. The answer could be no, it's very predictable, you know, and, and God is the same way in a sense as there are things that about God that is extremely predictable. And we see it all throughout scripture. Let's take a look in here at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says this, make every effort to live in peace. And now understand this. If you're wanting an awakening, we must do something here. We must live in peace. Let me stop you there for a second. All right. Have you ever been so just disgruntled and frustrated at your life circumstance or people that has affected you spiritually? You better say yes. Okay. Because we've all been there. So, so the word, the Bible here who is, is infallible. It's absolute truth. It says this. Make every effort to live in peace with, here we go. Everybody say this, everyone, everyone, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, this is a big deal because the, the um, most frustrating thing in life of believers is that they are not seeing results from their faith. Let's be honest. We get frustrated over those moments. Watch this. We don't see God allowing blessing in our career, so we get frustrated. We don't see God developing our kids' lives, so we get frustrated. We don't see God and him moving in the moments that we desperately need him to move in. But now if we are completely honest, we need to understand that we must allow our faith to move and when we're allowing our faith to move in a deeper connection with God, then we begin to see God in ways that we've not seen him before. And eventually what happens is we begin to have an appetite not to leave faith like many do, but to develop stronger within our faith. Unfortunately, so many have allowed themselves to disconnect from God because they're not seeing him move in life's circumstances or situations and families that they actually lose the appetite for faith within their lives. And the root of that problem for many who want to see God do some incredible things is this, they just simply stay the same. Like I want God, I want a deeper connection with God, but yet I'm not doing anything on my end to allow it to become healthy and to allow it to grow. And the equation just simply doesn't add up. We think God is simply doing, excuse me, is going to do what he wants to do regardless of our expectation or our involvement. Scripture doesn't necessarily represent that. Spiritually speaking, it's as if God tied a rope to us and his movement is predicated based on our movement. When we take steps, then we see him do incredible things. Watch this. James chapter four, verse eight says this. Come near to God and he will come near to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Do you understand that? A lot of action steps right in there. It's not just that, hey, you know, I want to be a follower of, of Christ and, and God, good luck moving. I'm going to sit back and watch you do it now. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says this. Here's a big action step from us. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be what? Wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Again, what is it? Action moments, action steps, movements that we need to be a part of. Joshua, chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua, you know, God comes to Joshua, who's in, in this moment leading the Israelites. He says, Joshua, the Bible says, Joshua told the people, here's the word, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among us. In other words, Joshua, I have an offer for you. Do you want to see me do some amazing things? Sure. Then consecrate yourself. Joshua, you can't stay the same. You must move. Now, we, we um, assume that consecrate is referring to a list of do's and don'ts. Like you can do this, you can't do that. You can say this, you can't say that. We look at them as, as minimal requirements, but that's not what Scripture tells us. Consecration isn't meaning that you attend church services so you can, or, or that you give a certain amount of money or you, know, you spend so much time in service of the church. It's not just keeping within the Ten Commandments. That is not what consecration, and that is not what is being mentioned here. According to Scripture, Consecration is this, setting myself apart in order to fully pursue Jesus. It's a deepening of my desire to know him stronger. It's a burning desire with inside of me to move forward because I want more of him within my life. It's when I move toward God because I want to move toward him, and I want him to move in me, that is consecration. So what does it mean? It's requiring something of you and I. It's you and I having to have some action steps and some moments. So why are we not experiencing or seeing the move of God that we say we desire? Well, it's simply because we haven't begun to move toward him. We're not moving toward God in a, in, a, in a way in our lives that shows, Lord, I want you to move in my life. We see in Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to look there, it's a snapshot of an event taking place in the life of Jesus with his disciples. So let's go ahead and read this passage. It says, Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 19. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has Caesars and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Watch this, Jesus' words. You unbelieving and perverse generation. He says it so passively, doesn't he? Full of meekness right there, all right? How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. 
Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? See, Jesus in the story had come upon this crowd and he was with his disciples and there's a father there who has a son who was oppressed by Satan. And he was very desperate in this moment. He probably exhausted every other avenue that there was to exhaust to go and, and to find help. So he comes looking for Jesus and he comes upon his disciples and he hears that, that Jesus has given these disciples the authority to teach and to pray and, and to see all these great things take place. So he's got a great hope in this moment only to realize that the great hope that he had by coming forward and having an action step only resulted in some disappointment. So the disciples walk up, they pray for this son, and nothing happens. Jesus walks up, and the man says, your disciples, they were no help for me. Immediately, immediately, what needed to take place? The disciples kind of um, pull Jesus aside and they ask him and say, what, why, why were we not able to do, Jesus, what you just did? Why were we not able to, 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 to be in that? What, 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 is, what is happening here in this moment? What this means is that you are unbelieving and that you are connect, not connected to me. When he looks at him and says, you are what? A perverse generation. You unbelieving and perverse generation. He's really ultimately saying there is this, you're not connected to me. And we know this, that faith comes from what? Hearing God's word. So if we are not seeing the move of God within our lives that we are desiring, we're not receiving that great awakening, maybe it's because we are too disconnected from Christ and too connected to this world. We're too casual, potentially, with the way that we go after Jesus. And we are too compromised with how we deal with our culture. The world has built too much around us in the way that we are thinking, the way that we act, the way that we communicate, the way that we talk, and the very things that we even value. Understand this, you will never receive the results until you raise the standard within your spiritual life. Jesus isn't telling them in this moment that they can never do that. He's just showing them in this moment what's wrong. Now, the Bible says in verse 14, it says, when they came. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but who is the when they came? What was Jesus? It was Peter, it was James. And it was John. They were not with the other nine disciples who were the ones who were praying with this father. They actually came into this moment with Christ. Earlier, this Bible tells us within the scripture that they were with Jesus. They were on the mountain for many days with Jesus, seeking to hear the voice of their heavenly father. And God rewarded them in a very special way because of their pursuit of him by giving them the moment to see Jesus' transfiguration. Meaning, they see Jesus within his glorified state. They heard the same voice that, 
was spoken to Jesus when Jesus was baptized and said what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. They were able to see God in an extraordinary way because they chose to separate themselves and go higher and set a higher standard. So ultimately what Jesus is saying to these other disciples is that when you choose not to set yourself apart and you stay with culture, you stay with the crowd, you will become spiritually stale. But for those who set themselves apart, they go higher. And when they go higher, they come back down and they see more spiritual results within their lives. So here's a question for you. Do you want to see more of God in your life? Whatever that may look like for you, do you want a stronger connection with him? Actually, you know, Hebrews 12 tells us that we are to fix our eyes in order for that to happen. I have four things I want us to look at here. Number one is this. We must see sin as costly. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. So the IRS has this particular department, account actually, called the cheater's account. Dead serious. What that is, is for people who have cheated on their taxes. Okay? And they feel very, none of you have done that, I'm sure. And they feel, they feel very convicted over what they've done. So do you know what they do? People will send an anonymous payment into the IRS, typically through, typically through money order, for a specified amount just so they can feel better and hopefully not get caught for what they've done. All right? Seriously. So a note was once written in one of those submissions is what it said. I cheated on my taxes for years. And I have felt so bad that I can't sleep at night. In close, please find a money order for $10,000. Watch this. P.S. If I still can't sleep, I will send the rest of what I owe. <laughs> Come on, man. That is funny, but it is a true picture of what many of us who are following Jesus looks like. Giving the minimum, expecting the maximum of his blessing. The problem is this, Jesus didn't give the minimum for you and I, for partial obedience. The way you live your life matters. There is a dangerous widening belief that says because we live in grace, we can live by a lower standard. The only way we are able to live in grace is simply because it's the only way he could keep his standard and what? Killing his own son in order to create the margin for us to live in grace. Our holy God, the one that you and I serve, cares deeply about us and he takes sin seriously. We will never see the spiritual results that we want until we see how costly sin is. Yeah. All right, secondly, sin costs you God's promises. Let's look in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, it says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Those are referring to sexual sin. Idolatry and witchcraft. Those are referring to spiritual sin. 
hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy. Those represent relational sin. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Those are addictive, to, addictive nature to sin. And then he says this, I warn you, as I did before, that those, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? Romans 14 says it's peace, it's joy, and it's the Holy Spirit. A way for us to look at this is simply this. The Holy Spirit is the executor of God's will and what you inherit from it. You've never, you've never had peace that didn't come from the Holy Spirit. You've never had joy that didn't come from the Holy Spirit. He executes God's will for your life, for God to fulfill his promises. But we have an inherent problem. We sin. When you know that your choice is against God's standards and you choose to do in your own selfish way anyways, you know you shouldn't hold bitterness, but you choose to hold it anyway. You know that you shouldn't say these things or, or feel this way in that moment, but you what? Choose to do it anyway. It's when you knowingly step out into sin and the executor of God's promises cannot give you what is inherently should be yours. It's when we ignore the convicting, the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit long enough, listen, we lose the comforting voice of the Holy Spirit. Number three, sin costs you God's purpose for your life. Let's take a look in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments of, for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. It's the content for God's purpose in your life has to match the container and how you live. You were formed by the same hands that created the universe. You bear the image of God. His breath is in your lungs. Your very life was purchased by the spilled blood of Jesus Christ, God's only son. You were given the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And you and I, we are not called to live like everyone else, but we are called to be, as the word of God says, holy. And we have overcomplicated the word holy. Really, what that is meaning within Scripture is this, be different, be changed. When the world looks at you as a Christ follower, follower, they should see a difference, not similarities. They should not see compromise, but they should see a higher standard of living. We say we want a great awakening and we say we want more of God within our lives that we need to be open allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and not cut him off. Everything that you've ever received, spiritually speaking, from God has come through the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand that if we want this greater connectiveness with God, that we must move toward him. The Bible says if we want to get closer, we need to get closer. We need to move into the direction. We need to be holy 
What does that mean? Being different, changing, allow change to happen within our lives, not allowing compromise to come in to the point that it would confuse anyone outside of this church or outside of the body of Christ and saying, are they a follower or are they not? That should never be within question. It should ultimately live out through your life. Number four, sin cost Jesus' life. Today's culture says that if I just do me and it doesn't cost anyone, then we are good. Your sin may not affect me, but it certainly affected Jesus Christ. The Bible says it was death penalty. That is what was required for sin. You were not the one who received that death penalty. God, in his unfathomable passion, sent his son, an innocent man, to die for you and I. When Jesus laid physically on the cross, God laid spiritually all the consequence of sin on him. When we considered how loving and kind and faithful and generous he was and has always been to us, we should echo the same words as Charles Spurgeon when he said this, I will not trifle with sin for it killed my best friend. We need to see sin as costly for what it really is. What does this look like for us to see Jesus more clearly within our lives? It means we must respond, act, say differently. Not being the same as what we once were. Listen, people attend church just to check off a box. Until you grasp Jesus, and until you deeply follow him, you are missing out on what God has for your life. Stop taking a glance look at Jesus, but take in the majesty of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. Prayer becomes easy when we do that. Worship becomes natural, and serving becomes the least that we can do. A British revivalist over 100 years ago said this very challenging word. He said, the world is yet to see what God will do with, for, and through, and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Second Corinthians chapter 13 gives us this word. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. We stand with me this morning. What is God looking for? He is looking for a transformation relationship with you. He's looking for one that allows you to decrease and him to increase. Layer by layer that what we go away and layer by layer, Jesus shines through. Listen, this is what I want. I want my kids to see Jesus in me. I want my family to see Jesus in me. I want you to see Jesus in me. And the only way we can do this 
is by fixing our eyes on Jesus more and more and more. When we fade away, he shines through. If you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning, maybe you're here or you're watching us online or you're listening to us today and you don't know and, or you don't have a relationship with this Jesus Christ that we have talked about today. The one who paid a debt that you can never pay. He took on the cost of sin in all of his humility and all of his obedience and all of his love for you. It was all done for you. And all that he asks in return from us is an acceptance of who he wants to be in your life. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your master. He wants to be the authority of your life. And all it requires from us is one simple thing. Yes, Jesus, I accept you today. Lead me in your promises. Lead me in your purpose. Lead me in your will. Lead me in your plan for my life. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching us or you're here, you're listening today. In fact, all of us pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, today I come before you and I accept you as my Lord, my master, and my savior. I realize that I'm a sinner, but you died for me. And today I confess. I love you, Lord. And I ask you to lead me in all your ways, in your will, in your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise this morning? Amen. So here we are, and we get this great message through the scriptures as Christ followers to lead us. We want a great awakening. We want a deeper connection with Jesus. What does that require from us? Some action. You want, you want to draw, you want closer, be closer to him? Get closer to him. Go after him. The Bible says in Revelation, he's simply knocking at the door of our heart. All we have to do is answer that door. Take those action steps. See that sin is costly. Be holy, be different, change. Don't stay the same. Be who God has created you to be. And then you will live a fulfilling, hopeful life. Let me pray with you. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you are doing and all that you're gonna continue to do. Thank you for every individual. I thank you, Lord, for the lives all across this world today who have given their lives over to you, Lord Jesus, and accepted you as their Lord and Savior. But Father, we ask also that as you have revealed to us what is necessary for us to do in order to grow closer to you, and be in step with you, and really live out your purpose, plan, and will for our lives, help us to understand that sin is costly. Never, Lord, to take it lightly. Never allowing our, our lives to compromise according to culture. But Father, may we live our lives led by your word and by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you and we will glorify you. And as the psalmist said, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you guys. Have a great day.